If I would go back in memory, there have been a few, uh, which I st they come back fresh in my memory. And uh, they come alive every time somebody says, ask, and it comes alive, which means they've stayed with me all these years. So let me go back to the first one. First one was when I was just uh, below 10 years of age. Maybe I was nine or eight at home, sitting with my father and mother. And a woman comes running, uh, crying to my house, our house, and says, Babuji, mujhe aapki madad chahiye. Babuji, meri madad karo. And we were all sitting, mommy, daddy, we were all sitting together as a family. And she comes crying, saying, Babuji, mujhe aapki madad chahiye. Papa says, what for? She says, mere husband ko giriftar kar liya gaya hai, arrest kar liya gaya hai. Usko, usse galti koi nahi ki hai. Usko please chuda dijiye. So Papa ne find, to find out kis, what happened really. So when daddy was convinced, that probably the woman needs help. She was a milk woman for many, many years and was in the neighborhood. So daddy picked up the phone and called, called the SSP of the district, Amritsar. So that was my first introduction to a profession called the police. And my father called up the senior superintendent of police and say, this lady ki Ram Pyari uska naam tha, ke Ram, please listen to her. And if she is right, Please see that no injustice is done to her. So my father did not say, let her out, let him out. My father did not say that. My father connected her with a person in influence who had the capacity to undo the injustice, if any, and also gave very clear instruction that please see that injustice doesn't happen. Please hear her. So what my daddy did was to connect her with my SS, the SSP of the Amritsar district and got them an appointment. Now that has remained in my mind. That basically sent two, three messages to me. It impacted me. A, the police department can undo injustice, number one. Number two, you have to be somebody in that position to help people. So it had a positive effect on me, not a negative. It did not dis make me dislike the police. It made me not fear, suspect the police. It made me feel that A, if I have to help grow up, and if I want to be in a position of an SSP, then I have to be the SSP. And I can undo injustice. That means I, I so that impacted me. The, I was introduced to the Department of Police, the influence and the power it can wield to undo injustice. And that my father was in a position also to connect with the, with the officer. And how instantly my father, my father didn't say dekhenge, it just sochenge. My father too was very instant in his response. The whole package is part of me now. It's a habit. I'm a, I don't delay in injustice. I also like the fact I understand the potential of policing to, to correct a wrong. I also don't make recommendations bad to say I also So it's a very same pattern which I saw as somebody who was below probably nine years old. My second second is I think parents, my parents were doing a very smart thing because we were four girls. And um, my parents were very education oriented. They were sports and education. And they made us all four, four grow up to grew up to be self-reliant. And those days, dowry was not an offense. Being married with dowry was not an offense. The Dowry Act came much later. And there was an open display of dowries when girls were getting married. And there was a large display. And the bigger the display, the richer the parents were. And the bigger the dinner. So once, many times, our parents took us to these weddings. And there was a display of dowry, huge display of dowry. And 
when I would say that, look, even telling you now I'm getting goose pimples. I used to say, see those displays. I saw silver, machinery, machine, sewing machine, no fridges that though no fridge at that time, machinery, jewelry, and displayed. And this is for mother-in-law, this is for sister-in-law, this is the cousin, this is the brother, this is the uncle, this is, and suit lens, and beds, clothes, saris, lot of a lot of valuables all on display. And people were taken to show the display. There was silver and gold, only to say, see so much we've given to our daughter. It was given, say, it was never said they demanded. It was a display given by, so it impacted me. It impacted me. It, I didn't want that. I rejected it. First thing I accepted as a teenager, when that milk woman came. Second one, I rejected it. I used to ask my parents, why is this being done? And guess what my parents said? The girls who don't study much, or girls who are not on their own, then have to be given. They have to be given away like this. And I told my father, this will never happen, Papa. I'll not let this happen in my life, where you have to do this and you have to pass me on. This will not happen in my life. I started to hate girls being married with dowry at the age of 12, 13, because that's the age of growing up when we were taken, up, taken to these dowry displays. And it happened in my life where I married without a penny's give and take. Even our wedding reception was a joint reception. We, I paid and my husband paid. We paid and we invited our parents to join us. We were both tennis friends and it was a decided marriage that we were not going to. He too believed in, he too was uh, uh, believing in this. So I had wonderful family. So point is the choice of family also happened on the same lines. My second turning point was in my personal thinking of as a woman, developing as a woman and what marriage meant and what is daughterhood, what is parenting, etc. My third one was, as I told you, Shweta, that I was a tennis player and I was a national junior champion at the age of 16. And I was in Amritsar and I didn't have that kind of clout which the metropolitan cities of tennis had, like Calcutta had, Bombay had, Madras had. Amritsar did not have. So our association was not backing us as players. But I was a national junior tennis champion, a girl from Amritsar who had uh, beaten up, uh, beaten, um, beaten, uh, come as India's number one. And the rule at that time in Wimbledon was that the national junior champion gets one seat in Wimbledon to play. And I was not sent. I was denied by my Punjab State Law Association, a gentleman called Mr. Shamshir Singh. See, I remember all these names and he did not send me. And I said, he says, association and they probably sent somebody else. Maybe they've made money out of it. But I was denied a seat in the Wimbledon to play the junior championships when I earned it by merit. I was India's number one. And every today you get it by points. All right? You get it by points. Today you get you enter Wimbledon by a different method. But during my time those days, it was you were the champion. You were India's number one and you got a seat. That made me realize, Swetha, that sports will not be my career. Academics will be my career. I have to be not dependent on others to choose and select me. I will earn my own merit so that nobody decides for me. So I think these are all turning points 
which took me so strongly into academics that I, while I continued to play a competitive tennis, I went on to become India's number one. And the same association man came and greeted me and say, but the point is, I realized that if I have to be um, uh, self-deciding, not be dependent on associations, then I have to be academically the best. So sports has to accompany go along because it was a family game and I love playing competitive tennis. I wanted to win and learn, but academics became my, my strength. And I went on to win academic scholarships as well. I put in so much of energy into my academics because it's academics which will take me to the Union Public Service Commission. Because by the time, public administration had started to get formed in my mind that I have to join the government. I will be one day a member of the uh, qualified the civil services. So I was already getting tuned. Then I became an NCC cadet. So these are all nature playing the role. Now, I was very reform oriented by nature. I believe in the power of prevention. You see, preventing issues. So as a student, you prevent, which means you prepare in advance, you study in advance. You see, preparation then becomes a culture, a character habit for you. So you don't, you prepare for tennis championships, you prepare to win, you prepare for an exam. So prevention was the best way is to prepare in advance. So I was a very advanced uh, reviser of my, I was very well organized. So I was a very methodical student. That's why I could talk in my university and my college. It was all a part of that score. But I was, go it was going along with my tennis. But now came the profession and because prevention was my habit every time i arrested a person as a police officer as a police officer i would go and find out why did he commit the crime how could i help him that he doesn't repeat the crime so as a young police officer i was more curious i was curious not in the in, in, uh, on the uh, on the fact that i have arrested so and so but i corrected him over a period so that he doesn't repeat a crime. So I was now on one hand getting brownies for having arrested. On the other hand, I had personal brownies for having reformed him, worked with his family, worked on his children. So I was more of into socio-criminal socio justice system of reform and rehabilitation. While this was not appreciated by my peers, because my peers would say, that's not our job, our job is over. You've arrested a person, you've investigated, let the court decide. But I used to say, yes, court will decide. I'm not on his justice. He'll get punished if he's done it. But I want to see he doesn't repeat a crime. And I want to know the cause of crime so I can work in policing in such a way that even my crime prevention is more better. If it's a beach system, would have been better or better patrolling. So see, prevention become a habit. So what happened was when I was posted as inspector general prisons, it was a turning point of my career. People thought I was going to the wrong place. I knew I was going to the right place. While the government was dumping me in the, uh, as IG prison, I know it was a punishment posting of that time. It is no more a punishment. It's now a parking position for somebody to become a police commissioner of Delhi. It's a parking place in Delhi. Then it was a punishment posting. Nobody was wanting to go as IG uh, Tehar. Nobody would go there. So I was just posted because they didn't have anything better for me. And I had to be accommodated. After having done a Mizoram hard area posting, they just put me into IG prison. Everybody said, why you? Why are you going there? I didn't say anything. In my heart of hearts, I was going to the right place because I was a preventer at heart. I was a rehab reformer at heart. I was a corrector at heart. I was a sociologist at heart. 
I was a teacher at heart. So I was a preventer. So what happened was from the day one of my entry, I start to work with the thousands of prisoners, thousands of them whom I had also sent them to jail as a DCP West or a Deputy Commissioner Police North. I had sent them. They remembered me. And they sent a message around in the prison while the prison message was, Oh, bari, bara danda bari ki, baut mari ki, baut tang kare ki. They were the ones who were saying, Nahi, ye toh baut kaam karti hai. Hamara bala karti thi. Hamse baat karti thi. Hamari family ko bachyo ko school bejti thi. Hamari wife ko kaam dilati thi. Toh ye mare ki nahi. So they were the ones who were balancing my reputation in the prison. Whereas the prior reputation was a mixed one. They, but these are the, it was a turning point for the reason that I start to believe in prevention and rehabilitation brought in education reforms, all that you heard its history brought in meditation program. So I made it to a city management, how, what a city requires. It's a township of 10,000 people. And what does a healthy township need? All that went into make. It was a turning point in the sense it got a Maxisi award. I didn't know it when I walked into the prison in 1993. I didn't walk into it with a plan for Maxisi Award, but it came in 95. It came in 94, 1994, within a year and a half, within a year and a half of that prevention work of the mass education, 100% programs of all these spiritual programs, the medical care, Igindir Gandhi Open University coming education, all that came. It was a turning point. I'll tell you why it was a turning point. Because that settled the matter that prevention is also reward, to be rewarded. The power of prevention, power of rehabilitation and correction is as vital as the power of detection. So policing got a human face through Maxis Award. This is the first time a peace award, a peace award went to a police officer in the world. It was a turning point in the sense it settled the matter, all doubts for all times that the policing as a community, collaborative policing, working with people is, all, is worthy. Not just shooting and killing, shooting and killing, yes, if it's required, but also what is required is humanity, humane policing, rehabilitative and corrective policing. So Maxis, I think, was a award which was a turning point because that got me international recognition. It brought me national awards. It got me international, including a breakfast with President Clinton's that time at the White House. So I was invited all the way there. That then took me to the last turning point of my life, which I remember now, is the position of police advisor at the United Nations in, 19, uh, in 2003. In 2003, I was posted as police advisor to Kofi Annan in New York. And it was an international selection. And the key role in that international selection, Shweta, was of the prevention work I'd done, the collaborative policing I'd done involving all the time uh, an approach which is preventive and corrective and rehabilitative and restorative and that was the UN policies of restoration in criminal justice system. So I think this is what happened and what what was the learning I got from the United Nations assignment was that it made me a global cop. It was the first woman in the world who became a police advisor at the United Nations overseeing 30 peacekeeping missions around the world, including Sudan, which is normal, getting normal today. Last position, last peacekeeping mission when I left the United Nations in, 19, in 2005 was Sudan peacekeeping mission. Today, after 10-15 years, it's re returning to normalcy. 
So I did Liberia, I did Sudan, I did Congo, Somalia, uh, and uh, all the Burundi, and then um, Cyprus, and Kosovo, Kosovo, and then East Timor. These were all handiworks of our good policing systems being brought back. So I actually became a role player in poli putting policing systems in these countries. And I realized, I realized how valuable my country is because the kind of freedom, the kind of democracy, the kind of opportunities my country has, it's unparalleled. When I traveled to the whole continent of Africa or whether Eastern Europe or Southeast Asia, believe me, I loved every bit of my Indianship and my country. You realize certain things only when you are away from them, when you're distant from them. It was a turning point of my hunger and my appreciation and love for my own country. I had opportunities to overstay in the United Nations. I did not. I rushed back. I came back because I wanted to be back to my country. So I think these were very valuable turning points in my life, as I told you.